Welcome back to the Sweet Baby <coughs> Renaissance uh, show. <laughs> Sweet Baby Ray's Barbecue that's... Sauce. Episode 59. Yes, that's me. That's what I got. How are you, Andy Richter? I'm d- doing good. Doing good. Um, I'm taking your latest... I don't know what word to use, a characterization of me, and I'm just rolling with it. I'm just rolling with it. You've learnt over the years <laughs> just to roll with it. Yeah. Roll with the punches. Exactly. Yeah. 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 T- yeah. Tears yeah. Like, tears like all my work. wives. <laughs> all my wives have learned that. <laughs> the scars have healed just and it's tough. And, yeah, just go with it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What doesn't kill you makes you strong. I imagine that you podcast like you fuck. You'll walk funny for a while. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I podcast like I fuck, yeah. I don't know exactly what you mean by that. It answers so many questions. Okay, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Action. You should know. I should not have done both with you. On On our last episode... Uh, we were talking about uh, Poggio and his right. discovery of Lucretius, and I, we talked about then how the Christians um, sort of tried to demonise yes. uh, Epicureanism over you know the, the the centuries after the Christians took power. They they wanted to right. get people to associate Epicureanism not with peace. And moderation. the search for enlightenment, yeah. right? And moderation, exactly. Living a living a healthy lifestyle, but as uh, gluttons, yeah, and, sex uh, hedonists. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, God, <laughs> we did we did not need that visual this hour of the morning. Um, Too late. So I, I want to keep talking um, about. Over the next few episodes, the the uh, what happened yeah. um, after Poggio discovered Lucretius, we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, the 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 influence that Lucretius had uh, over the next couple of hundred years. We'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the rest of Poggio's life, some of the other characters that get involved in this. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to continue yeah, for a while. Yeah. This Keep it going. Uh, the, the Poggio the Poggio slash Lucretius. Right. Story. So it's amazing. Yeah. It turns out that wherever he found it, remember, we, we're not exactly sure because he didn't let on, but um, right. apparently, wherever it was, he wasn't allowed to take it. Yeah. The, the manuscript that he found, the old Lucretius manuscript from the monastery. So he, and he, and he didn't have time to stick around and uh, copy it out himself. Right. Because all of this is happening after the Council of Constance and he's out of a job uh, for the time being. Uh, Pope uh, Baldy the Pirate is uh, in prison. Um, he's probably right. trying to negotiate his his release and also trying to figure out, well, what does this mean career-wise? Yeah. Uh, what Do you put it down? If, if your previous <laughs> boss has been arrested... And was a pirate. By the Holy a, Roman Emperor. Yeah. Do, do you, you put that down on your CV? You go into your next job interview and they go, so well, why did you leave your, your last Vatican? And you say, uh, well... Honestly, yeah. I just didn't feel like they were challenging me. Right, uh, fresh start enough. Fresh um, start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so he, he he couldn't stick around and copy it himself. He had to go and do stuff. Right. So he apparently brought in a German scribe to copy it on his behalf. Managed to negotiate access to it right. for uh, a freelancer. Right. He went to. Uh, 99designs.com or freelancer.com, one of those, looked up right. person who can write good and uh, found this guy, locals. Yeah. You, you don't want someone to have to travel. takes no. time. You want a local. Yeah. Uh, got this Got this guy in. I'm assuming it's a guy because, let's yeah. face it, we, we don't want women to be able to read and write. Good God, imagine. no. Well, what would the world be like right. if women could read and write? <laughs> Fuck. Well, they'd, next, next they'd be they'd want the vote. Can't um, have that. No. So, some some German guy comes in to write it. Uh, so when and then he did finally get a, this copy sent to him. 
after the German scribe copied it out. But he didn't even bother to read it. No. He, he immediately sent it on to Florence, postmark attention, <coughs> Niccolo de Nicolai, or Nicky the Nick, as I like to call him. <laughs> Nicky the Nickster. The Nickster. Nicky... <laughs> uh, the Nickster. The Nickster. Mm. Yeah. Sent it on to Nick. Nicky the Nixter in Florence. Now, uh, this is a good opportunity for us to talk about Nicky the Nixter because he's a, he, he's a big deal in uh, this this story, in this era in Florence. Fascinating character. Yeah. Bit eccentric, uh, <laughs> and, but highly influential <laughs> right. as well. Tell me what you've got on Nicky the Nixter, yeah. Andy. Yeah, so... Ep- <laughs> So what's going to make this, um, when we get to it later on, is going to make this truly ironic. Nikolai and Poggio are friends. They've, they've, they've uh, learned together. They've had many, many hours of discussions, uh, all things humanist, uh, everything that's related to the ancient world they're obsessed with. They're like, they're like geek fans, just geeking out all the time. So, so these guys have known each other for a long time, and they're friends. So, um, so Nikolai, he's an Italian Renaissance humanist. He was born in 1364, which made him 16 years older than Poggio. But unlike Poggio, he he comes from a very wealthy family. In fact, I think when Nikolai's father dies and the money gets spread out between Nikolai and his five brothers, they still have more money than most of the people in Florence. So this 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 guy's just got a lot of cash. Now, it, as you were alluding to, he's not like a normal kind of guy. He knows what he wants to do. He's obsessed with like one or two things and the rest of the world can just go to hell. So what he's going to do is he's going to take his money and choose to not any more than he has to interact in the world. So he's not going to worry about trying to become a member of the government to to do his part like the elites are expected to. He's not going to go into the wool industry. He's not going to go into banking. He's just going to take the money that was given to him and obsess over what he is crazy about. And what he's crazy about is everything to do with the um, with the Roman uh, ancient world. Um, statues, coins, you know, text, manuscripts, that kind of thing. And so he, and I guess he was probably one of the first people to collect antiquities, uh, but to treat them like works of art as opposed to just, you know, grabbing them and throwing them in this house. He had them displayed all over his house. And so we all now think about going around collecting antiquities is no big deal. But this is one of the guys who helped get it going. So he has his obsession. And um, I don't think I can stress this enough, but he was obsessed with the manuscripts, he liked he liked the the tactile experience. He liked to study the way they were written, the words, the ink, the paper. He was obsessed with the actual manuscripts that he could get his hands on, which is one reason why Poggio is going to want to send his uh, works to to do this guy. So not only does he know manuscripts backwards and forwards, but because he studies the writing so well, he becomes. I don't know what you want to call it, a, a master of Latin. In fact, a lot of uh, the authors would send their works to him before they published it so he could correct any mistakes. This guy, he only had one or two notes in his life, and it all had to do with writing text in the ancient world and everything else. He could just he could forget about it. He'd never got married. He just obsessed about this stuff. And this is the person that Poggio was going to trust with this incredible find, even though he hasn't had a chance to read it. He knows he's got something amazing, and he sends it to this guy as fast as he possibly can. Now, uh, Nicky the Nickster, uh, <laughs> quite the dilettante, uh, it seems, used to walk around Florence dressed in an ancient Roman toga <laughs> in 1417. The first, the first uh, new toga party. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look at me, people apparently like uh, people that were visiting Florence. One of the things that they would do is yeah. keep an eye out for him, and they would sort of take Instagram oh, selfies tour- and tourist uh, attraction. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was you. he was infamous even for people coming out of town. They say, "What should we do?" They go, "Well, come to Florence. Uh, you know, you have to go to the Duomo. Right, um, Check there's that a new out. roof." Uh, right. Check Big that deal. out. Go see yeah. the baptistry doors, etc., yeah. etc. Et oh, and uh, keep an eye out for <laughs> Nicky the Nickster. Oh, well, how will I tell? Oh, you'll know. You'll know when you see him. He's the guy in the toga. Do I get to give him a toga? Do I get to give him a toga tickle? Yes. Uh, you're allowed to give him a toga it. tickle. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was fairly eccentric, walked around in his toga. Uh, and and he actually became one of the arbiters of good taste uh, in, right. in this part of the Renaissance. So in one of the books I read said he was almost like an unofficial minister of culture right. in Florence in the first few decades of the 15th century. So his collection of books, manuscripts, coins, vases, statues, etc., sort of established the, uh, this, this idea that that's what you did if you were, if you were civilised and, and, mm. and uh, into art. So he, he had an enormous influence on the Renaissance because he's the guy that started to make the collecting of these things and the display of them right. cool. Before then, people didn't have old busts and paintings and shit around. They were like, what the fuck? That's old. That's boring. It's old. No. He was like, no, 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 no. Old. Collecting old stuff is cool, baby. Cool, daddy. Daddy Daddy-o. And so he had a huge influence. Now, he was 25 years older than Cosimo de' Medici. Uh And he, he began his collection when Cosimo would have been quite young. Uh, ah. I, I, you, you, know, you said before that his family was wealthy. His family made their money sort of in the as wool merchants mm-hmm. uh, during the Florentine recovery after the Black Death. And they were so rich uh, after his father died. You said they were one of the wealthiest. They were even wealthier than the Pitti family. Now, you've been to the Pitti Palace. You had yes. a Pitti party at the Pitti Palace. <laughs> I did. Um, Pity, Pity Palace, which ended up in the Medici family, as we we explained in an earlier episode, is absolutely huge, yes. massive yes. grounds and property. This family, <clears throat> him and his brothers, were richer than the Pity. Damn. Um, and as of as of the 1390s, so that's like 20 years before Lucretius is discovered. So very, but 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 right. he started collecting, and he spent all of his money. On it. Now, not long after he met Cosimo, they uh, they planned to go to the Holy Land together. Wow! In search of Greek, ancient Greek manuscripts, but Papa Joe said yeah. no, no, uh, no. What the fuck? No, <laughs> you're you, my heir. You, you've got to dumbass. take over. The, yeah. Yes, yeah, dumbass. <laughs> and also. <laughs> Not letting you go anywhere with a guy that wears a toga around the streets. Uh, call me crazy, call me stupid, but uh, not, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> Someone in my generation calls that a tip off. Yeah, a toga tickles one thing, but who knows where it yeah. could end up uh, with this guy? Um, but yeah. So he sent. He sent uh, uh, Papa Joe sent uh, uh, Cosimo you know, off to join the bank and do all that kind of stuff. Right. But as soon as Papa Joe died, uh, Cosimo started to spend his fortune on supporting people like Nicky the Nickster uh, right. and their collections. And, and I think it's fair to say that Cosimo's interest in the collecting of ancient manuscripts and all these sorts of things is... In part, we don't know how how much, but certainly in part due to the influence of Niccolo de Nicolai, Nicky the Nixta. He he had a huge influence on Cosimo. Cosimo, in turn, had a huge influence on the Renaissance. So we have to thank uh, Niccolo the Toga Man. Now, he... um, Niccolo was completely obsessed, as you said before, wasn't interested in the wool business, wasn't interested in business at all, wasn't interested in making money, wasn't interested in politics, didn't give a shit about (laughs) anything except antiquities, collecting, studying, analysing antiquities. He eventually collected a library of 800 uh, 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 ancient Manuscripts, which wow. was by far the largest library of his day, mm-hmm. uh, and kept adding new volumes uh, to his library until the day of his death. Now, to pay for that, right, he spent 
everything he had. Had to sell off land, sell off assets. Oh, didn't didn't care. Dude. Spent everything. Dude. Ended up driving himself broke. Yeah. Uh, in order to collect these things. He was completely obsessed. It was the only thing he cared about. Um, now, not only did he influence tastes in Florence for collecting these things, but he also played a huge role with uh, Paolo Strozzi, the elder statesman of Florence, in setting up the study of ancient Greek at the University of Florence. It had been Ooh. founded in 1321, so about mm. 100 years earlier, but it already sort of become stuck in this uh, scholasticism that we've talked about on uh, an earlier episode. This is right. this was sort of the Catholic form of education where you would basically refer back to ancient writers and you'd go, well, Ray says <laughs> that uh, sex with goats is okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cameron says that sex with goats is an abomination. Well, but they're both right, uh, and and let me explain how. Uh, and then you you basically try and get into the nitty gritties and find right. you know you quote the Bible and you quote the ancient church fathers and you say well you know from this perspective goat fucking is fine from this perspective it's here, an here. abomination but but you know it's a little bit of this a little bit of this a little bit of that's all okay you sort right. of tried to tried to merge. Uh, 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 infallible geniuses like you and myself right because uh, we, we you know we both have we both must be right oh, uh, even though yes. we're even though we're contradicting each other we both must be right so scholasticism you would try and figure out wow how to how to find a way to say well yes they're com- complete contradiction to each other but yes but they're both right at the same time <clears throat> so that's where uh, education was, and, and the University of Florence was stuck in that. So Nicky the Nixter <coughs> and Paolo Strozzi in 1397 managed to fulfil one of Petrarch's dreams. And Petrarch, uh, as I think we said in an earlier episode, uh, played a role in the creation of the University of Florence. They created mm-hmm. a chair of ancient Greek wow. that could uh, help them study the recently discovered manuscripts of people like Plato, and they appointed Manuel Chrysoloros, mm-hmm. who um, had been sent as a, as a, like an emissary by the Byzantine emperor at the time in Constantinople. Uh, they, they brought him over to Italy, brought him to Florence, set him up as a professor of ancient Greek. Now, as we've said in the earlier episodes, People didn't. People in Italy, people in the West, didn't know how to uh, uh, read or write ancient Greek. Right. It had been sort of a forgotten language. Even guys like Petrarch never really got a great grasp of it because uh, there was no one to teach. Yeah, no one to teach ancient Greek. Um, so their ability to to read and translate these ancient manuscripts that were written in Greek that they were now finding was limited. Um, so in 1396, uh, Coluccio Salutati, mm-hmm. who was the Chancellor of Florence at the time, invited Chrysoloros to Florence to teach Greek grammar and literature. And in his invitation, he quoted Cicero. Oh. The verdict of our own Cicero confirms that we Romans either made wiser innovations than theirs. He's talking about the Greeks here. Wiser innovations than theirs by ourselves or improved on what we took from them. But of course, as he himself says elsewhere with reference to his own day, Italy is invincible in war, Greece in culture. Nice. For our part, and we mean no offence, we firmly believe that both Greeks and Latins have always taken learning to a higher level by extending it to each other's literature. Oh, very, that's nice. Very diplomatic yes. there. So... Um, Although the you know Florentines and war not not really a good combination as we've seen, right. uh, but they uh, so they brought Chrysoloras. Now, yeah. um, if Nicky the Nixter was a major influence on Cosimo mm. and the and therefore the next generation of Renaissance humanists, uh, Coluccio Salutati was influential on Nicky the Nixter. Yes. 
Did you uh, get much of a bio on Salutati? Uh, yeah, I got a bio, some basic stuff. Um, let me see here. Born February 16th, 1331. He will live until May of 1406. Born in Tuscany. Uh, let's see here. He uh, His family returned to an area that was a part of the Republic of Florence. Sayutati, as a young man, worked as a notary and studied literature, and he's going to then meet Boccaccio and Francesco Nelli, who I believe we've talked about before. And I think we said this before as well, but because he was able to, and maybe it was just natural skill or practice, but because he was able to master uh, classical Latin as much as it was possible at the time, when he did write letters, the Florentine scholars were so impressed that he's eventually going to be given the nickname the Ape of Cicero, because he was able to uh, to copy the quality of the writing that the ancients had back then. In 1367, he's made the Chancellor of Todi in the Papal States. He's going to work for the uh, Papal Curia under Pope Urban V, and then uh, he's going to work in the Florentine government in 1374, but it's 1375 where he is made Chancellor of Florence, and this is before the Medici, so it's actual real power. It's a very important position, and he has a lot of influence, and he's going to use that influence to gather young men around him, uh, because even though he is a humanist and he's going to do everything he can to resurrect the quality of the ancient world. He's getting old by this point. He can't do it on his own. So he's going to keep an eye out for young, smart, talented men who can learn from him, uh, learn from his examples, and then go from there. Sayutati learned from Petrarch, and now it's time for Sayutati to teach others after, you know, for when he's gone. Yeah, so he's a, a friend and an admirer of Petrarch. When Petrarch died in 1374, Salutati, who would have been, uh, what, uh, 40, early 40s at that stage, declared that Petrarch was a greater prose writer than Cicero and a greater poet than Virgil. Wow. Uh, Nicky, the Nickster, later disagreed. Yeah. He said, while the literary legacy of antiquity is in such a pitiful state... No real culture is possible, and any disputation is necessarily built on shaky ground. Ooh. So listen, we don't we don't we don't have all of the stuff that they wrote. Right. So how can you make that fucking statement? Yeah. Uh, let's let's wait till we get all of their shit and we can read it. <laughs> then maybe we can do a comparison. Well, I think you said that um, Nicky the Nixter was a stickler for detail, and he really did not like it. When someone disagreed with him, kind of Australian in that sense, but um, yeah, so he would he would argue a point because the idea of him being wrong or being shown up was just too much for him. So I mean, he's he's making a good argument here, but there will be times in his life when his personality is so acerbic it just drives people crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, he's irascible. Yes. Um, so yeah, so this this role Chancellor of France that Salutati had in 1375 uh, wasn't a member of the Seigneuria. It was sort of uh, uh, above that, more like a head of state. Right. The, the Seigneuria did the, the management, and you know, you know, and they only held their jobs for what I think two months. Right, we said right. Um, but the the chancellor job you you could have for a long time, and you were the figurehead, the head of state. You you, you did a lot of the um, Foreign, geopolitical yes. uh, yeah negotiations with other nations. Um, and uh, Salutati uh, held that job for quite a long time. Future chancellors, by the way. Included Poggio, Leonardo Bruni, who we'll talk about as well a little bit later on, and Niccolo Machiavelli. Ooh. Um, but obviously these are in, you know, post-Medici times. Right. And as you pointed out, the role, the, the, the importance of the role diminished right. somewhat under the yes. under the Medici. But still, still, a, you know, it's a, a, it's a, a good very gig. important role. Right. I mean, we yeah. know that... The Medici uh, under Cosimo and, and onwards didn't uh, didn't want to be uh, didn't want to position themselves as a, as a king, right? So they were behind the scenes, and and they had the Chancellor who was out there representing Florence. Um, so they, you know, the the Chancellor would uh, write uh, official correspondence with the mm-hmm. other Italian city states, and. 
you, you needed to be very, very smart, very, very uh, well-spoken. You needed yes. to be able to write well. Uh, and and Salutati was one of these guys. He was a you know one of the early humanists, as we said, friend and admirer of Petrarch and Boccaccio. So obviously, cared a lot about the written word and yes. was very influential. Uh, one of his his arch nemeses during his time as Chancellor was Visconti, the Duke of Milan, who once wrote that one of Salutati's letters could cause more damage than a thousand Florentine horsemen. <laughs> Reminds reminds me of uh, the Duke of Wellington statement that Napoleon Napoleon's hat on the battlefield was worth forty thousand men. Nice. Um, he was a big fan of Cicero, and he tried to write perfect Latin. Unlike many of the uh, people who came in the generation of of humanists after him, mm-hmm. he wanted to take Latin to new places. I have always believed, he said. I must imitate antiquity, not simply to reproduce it, but in order to produce something new. Ah. He wanted to see new stuff. Right. Whereas some of these guys like Niccolo, uh, Nicky the Nickster, (laughs) Nicky the Nickster never wrote anything because he said, what's the point? I mean, uh, I have so much of the ancient work to study. Right. It would be an insult. Yeah. to write new stuff when there's so much of the old stuff yet to be translated and understood. So Salutati uh, 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 influenced Nicky the Nixter, Nicky the Nixter influenced Poggio and Cosimo, but it was actually Salutati that uh, wrote a letter of recommendation for the 23-year-old Poggio Bracciolini wow. when he set off to Rome in 1403 with the hopes of getting hired as a papal secretary. Wow. Um, so, and then he died, Salutati, a few years later in 1406, setting into, having set into motion the, oh. the careers of Nicky the Nixter and Poggio. Um, so I, I just love the fact that... Um, Without guys like Salutati. Yeah. Um, who no one knows. You know, yeah, yeah. who no one knows. Right. Exactly. You don't go to Florence and go, oh, I'm going to go and <laughs> see the statue uh, of Salutati. Worship the memory of <laughs> Coluccio Salutati. Right, right. But had, like, whether or not the Renaissance would have happened when it happened right. or would have happened at all. You think about like you think about this. So, let's say Salutati uh, hadn't uh, uh, been so uh, uh, devoted to mm-hmm. the the study of, of of Cicero and the greats, and 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 imparting to this next generation of kids, uh, Nicky the Nixter and and um, uh, Poggio, right. Uh, uh, the the and Cosmo, the importance of studying the classics and the ancients and appreciating their stuff. The let's say the Renaissance the didn't get full throated support for another hundred years. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's say you know we missed a hundred years. That would have meant there would have been no Da Vinci, right? No Michelangelo, right? Uh, you know, no Donatello, right? Yeah. And, uh, probably no Brunelleschi, right? Um, no yeah. uh, Ghiberti, right. uh, because he played an influence on all of these guys. So, you know, from Petrarch to Salutati, from Salutati to Niccolo de Nicolai, from Niccolo to, to Poggio and, yeah. and Cosimo, and then with Cosio's money, everything becomes possible. Uh, uh, after uh, Nicky had, had uh, squandered spent. his family fortune on <laughs> c- collecting and promoting the stuff and buying togas uh, right. or getting togas made, um, so it yeah, like it is. These these guys dedicated their lives yeah. to the search of truth and beauty and, and ancient history, a bit like a podcaster. Right. Uh, dedicated their lives. <laughs> to educating the next generation about this stuff 
and completely forgotten by right. a, uh, most people. Uh, yeah. And yet, everyone goes to Florence and admires the the production of the Renaissance. We go and we admire the painters and the sculptors and and the the roof on the Duomo and all this kind of stuff. Good point. But yeah, the, without Salutati, maybe who knows? None of it. Yeah, none of it would have happened. Uh, or guys yeah. like Niccolo de Niccolo, the, the the guy who educated Florentines about what was beautiful, what should be admired, what should be um, uh, uh, valued, what was valuable from the ancient world. Uh, We've, you know, totally forgotten about him. But his influence is inestimable, incalculable. Yes. Um, I just, I, 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 I fucking love these stories of these guys that played this massive role... Yeah, in history, and yet they sort of get completely forgotten about. And and as we're going to find out later on, the same thing pretty much happens to Paggio. And as as you're going to see over the next uh, three episodes, yeah, his re, his discovery of uh, on the nature of things is going to have massive changes throughout the world. Um, <clears throat> if I could, I just want to take a moment to give some context to what you said, everything you just said, because when it comes to Salutati and how he. Uh, made impressions and how he brought along the next generation because that's how movements are. You've got Petrarch, you've got Salutati, and you take the guys that that you trust or that you hope can do the job and you pass the baton on to them and and if they don't drop it, they go on. And that's how movements are made because it takes generations in order to do something like this to to literally bring about a change uh, in the world. So if I could just real quick, so like you were saying, Sayutati learns from Petrarch about the value and the quality of what the ancient Romans were able to produce. And both men truly believed that they lived in very sordid times, the power and the corruption of the church. It just wasn't working out, and it certainly wasn't as great as Rome used to be. And they figured out, and Bruni, Leonardo Bruni is going to come into this later, but they figure out what they need to hopefully cure a lot of society's ills is a new educational system, the humanities, like we talked about before, Greek, Latin, literature, and rhetoric. But this is going to be more than just academics, because the ancient Romans had achieved greatness on so many levels. It wasn't just an empire that they had, but all of those great achievements are now gone. The classical tra- uh, traditions are all gone. And the guy who's in Germany calling himself the, Homan, the Holy Roman Emperor, he is not the embodiment of what has once been. So what they have now is ugly. What the Romans used to be was eloquent and beautiful. So we have to, one, admit that we have lost our way, and two, we need to find a way to bring it back. We need a resurrection. And unlike the resurrection of uh, Jesus, this is going to be now, and this is something you stressed on a previous show. This is about the world now. It's going to be cultural, it's going to be secular, and we're going to focus on what's going on in this world. And Petrarch, like Sayutati, was a devout Christian, but at the same time, they both realized that for hundreds of years, Everything that had been written was ugly, it was hideous, certainly when you compared it to what the ancient Romans were able to do. So this is what they're going to focus on. And even though um, Petrarch was kind of vague about where he wanted to start this new resurrection, Salutati did not have that problem. He was absolutely in love with Florence, and he wanted that to be the the focal point. So not only does he get it going, but it gets going in Florence, Florence because of him. And it's time to rediscover Rome's greatness by looking back to the past. So this is what he wants. He's got a clear plan. He's going to pass it on to the younger men, and hopefully they don't screw it up and they keep it going. He's he's doing everything he can up until the moment that he dies. You know who Salutati reminds me of? Who? Hmm. Um, me. Really? Uh, fuck it. Yeah. Didn't, well, didn't fucking invented. Coming. Right. Invented history podcasting, you know, uh-huh. uh, long form Napoleon show. Yes, you know, Loved two it. three hour long episodes. You know, sixty odd episodes, long form telling the history of Napoleon. Invented long form history podcasting, and no one gives a fuck. No one remembers. <laughs> no. You know, like, Where's no, your what, statues? What? Who? Where's no, the cam statue? No, no statues. <laughs> no respect. People. 
No fucking credit. And Everyone's one- like, oh, you know, podcast history, <laughs> history podcasting. I don't even turn up on the lists, uh, you know, of history podcasters. Right. That's I am the Coluccio Salutati oh of God. history podcasting. And the go. one painting you have of yourself, you had to harass the artist for a, a year or something. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. But the point is, did he not realize that he was putting? A brush to greatness. Mm. I mean, mm. come on. When is Cam going to get his due? Yeah. 500 years from now, they'll be saying, right. you know, most people yeah. don't remember Cameron Riley. The only painting that <laughs> we even have of him <laughs> is by James Caffin. Um, oh. And he was, just a, he was just a tattoo artist. I mean, right. you know, it was... <laughs> But this was his. This he was, was good his, tattoo artist, but he yeah. was just a tattoo artist. This is the greatest thing he ever did was paint cameras. Yeah, 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 yeah. The and, only and, memory of uh, right. the inventor of history podcasting. And remind me, <clears throat> if you could, I think you mm. talked about this, and this was probably, I don't know, 20 episodes ago, whatever. But I believe you talked about not only did Salutati do all those things, but he taught Nikolai about not letting his book collection get ruined like Petrarch's. Because remember, Petrarch's is going to get shut away somewhere mm-hmm. and it's all going to be destroyed. So so Nikolai, because of Salutati, had a specific plan. He said, I'm going to get a will. And I'm going to, in the will, it's going to say all my manuscripts are to be kept together and not sold. I'm going to set aside money to build a library. There's going to be a committee of trustees to run the library. And it's not going to be just for monks. Anybody can come in, but there are certain rules and regulations for borrowing my books. They have to be returned and all that other stuff. And so, and and they're not to, you know, obviously the book collection is to stay together and not get dispersed out and there become ineffective. So that was another thing that he got from Salutati. And I think you said that uh, Cosimo was able to pay off a lot of Mm, mm, Nikolai's debts. Sorry. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Slow slow your roll. I'm done. My roll is done. Get, Just another example too far ahead of, of what Salutati did. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to Chrysoloris, the guy that was brought in um, with the influence right. of Niccolo and Salutati to teach Greek. So he arrived in the winter of 1397. Mm-hmm. Um, Leonardo Bruni, one of the great humanist scholars and one of uh, Chrysoloris' pupils. Right pointed out that there are a great many teachers of law in Florence, but no one had studied Greek in northern Italy for 700 years. Damn. Damn. Imagine being the first teacher of ancient Greek in Italy for 700 years. You're going to start from scratch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, another very famous pupil of Chrysoloris was Ambrogio Traversari, mm-hmm. who uh, was a great friend of uh, Poggio's and I think actually uh, was Poggio's first biographer as well. Ooh. He later worked with uh, Nicky the Nixter to translate Greek manuscripts. Wow. Uh, now, Chrysoloris only stayed in Florence for a few years, just long enough to teach the basics yeah. of ancient Greek to Get some of Florence's top humanists. Right. Then, like uh, the man with no name, <clears throat> he said, my job here is done. <laughs> and he uh, rode off into the sunset. Right. Um, the sunset was Venice. He went off to Venice, went off to Rome, did the same thing. He just went to all of these major uh, northern Italian yeah. cities yeah. and spread the love, spread ancient <laughs> Greek around he them. Italy. Yeah, he wrote, <laughs> showed them how to go Greek. Uh, he wrote. Uh, he said, "Well, you know, Catholic girls. Yeah, uh, it's okay. They want to save themselves, right. but you can always go Greek. <laughs> let Let me show so, you here." What that yeah. means. Yeah, bring me your daughters and I'll teach you. <laughs> Technically, go Greek. you're still virgins. You're welcome. Technically. Right. Technically. Yeah, yeah. That's all God cares that's about. Right. It's technicality. Exactly. The fine print, yeah. my friend. I know, I know God's way yeah. of thinking. Yeah. We're going yeah. to hell. Yeah. 
Well, no, that's the point. Um, if you go Greek on the Virgin Girls, so you don't go to hell. You're golden, baby. Because God... I'm golden. Yeah, it's none of the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt not, not travel, the dirt ro- travel the dirt road uh, with the virgins. I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> My lawyer would say, when Ray pulled up his pants, were you or were you not still a virgin? Yes, you were. I rest my case. Yeah. Yeah. Technically. Technically. Still a virgin. (laughs) In the eyes of the Lord. Oh, my God. Uh, So Chris Aloris wrote the first basic Greek grammar guide. Right. And he he drew pictures of how to go Greek (laughs) with Catholic girls in the margins. Hey, give me some (laughs) colored chalk. I want to make this a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He said, okay, step one, pick up a, pull, pull up a picture of Goatsy. <laughs> step two, that's what you're looking for. Right, yeah. Once you find that, you're struck. Yeah. Just zero in on it. God. God. Uh, he published, uh, his, his Greek grammar guide uh, was actually first published in 1484. Mm-hmm. He obviously wrote it 100 years before that, more or less. Um, was widely reprinted, very successful around the world, very influential, uh, his Greek grammar guide. So there you go. He, yeah. had, he had a huge influence on the Western world's uh, understanding of Greek. Yeah. In 1413, he then went to Germany okay. on an embassy to the Emperor Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> uh, and, and his job was to... Find a, a location for the church council to figure out who the real pope was. The ah. uh, the last pope, last pope standing conference, which right. obviously ended up being held at Constance right. in Germany, uh, and he was on his way to the Council of Constance, right. uh, had a, having been chosen to represent the Greek Church. Wow! I think he was going to teach all of them. How to do a Greek style when uh, he died suddenly. Aww. But um, Chris Aloris, huge influence right. uh, in in helping the Renaissance understand Greek. Wow. Now uh, back to Nicky the Nickster. As I said earlier, never wrote a book himself. In fact, apparently, never even managed to finish a paragraph that oh satisfied his God. very uh, demanding taste for perfect Latin. What but yeah. he did copy he did copy a lot of manuscripts himself, like Poggio. Right. And as I mentioned in an earlier episode, Niccolo developed a, a, a kind of handwriting, a script that was cursive, slanted, that enabled him to write faster uh, as well as writing neatly and elegantly. And it was his handwriting that later became the basis for the italic type used by the early uh, Italian printers. Right. So when they when they developed printing, uh, Poggio's handwriting was used for what was known as Roman yeah. uh, typesetting. And uh, Nicolo's was used for the italics. Wow. So every time you italicize something in uh, Microsoft Word, <laughs> you, you can thank Nicky the Nixter. Right. And I guarantee, uh, you know, I recommend you, you walk around your office wherever you work and you tell <laughs> people that story. You say, hey, I see you're writing, I see you're using italics. Right. Let me tell you, let me tell you about Nicky the Nickster right. and, how to, and how to do it Greek style. Um, oh, my God. And about Cameron Riley, the long the forgotten. First, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. The first man of his name. Right. Um, now, not only did uh, Nicky copy out manuscripts, but when he copied them. Yes. He corrected the text because uh, a lot of times the scribe yeah. uh, who may have made an earlier copy, like Poggio's scribe who copied out this Lucretius, they, they 
were amateurs and he was like, no, 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 no. it's I before E except after C. (laughs) He would be fixing stuff and he, he was the guy that basically created chapters and tables of contents into these books. Damn. He's like, well, rather than just write it in one big long blurb, yeah. we should uh, divide it up, yeah. create create chapters, create tables of contents so it's easy to find stuff. Right. So he was uh, he, a lot of innovations in the concept of books came from Nicky de Nixter. Now, um, he, as I said before, walked around Florence wearing a toga, <laughs> Uh, people, people would keep an eye out for him, point, <laughs> giggle, that kind of stuff. But they they kind of knew not to go up and try and talk to him because, as you indicated, he had a reputation for being very ill-tempered, yes. very dismissive, didn't have time for social niceties. He's like, fuck off. I'm thinking about, <laughs> you know, letters. how to write better Words. Latin. Don't yeah. have time. Yeah. yeah. Think about letters. <laughs> Um, but and, and was also very argumentative, was famous in his lifetime around the world for his arguments with other scholars and humanists. Oh, God. Uh, he, he, he was loved, loved to debate. He was basically, like, he loved getting on Facebook and just, just opening up a can of whoop-ass on <laughs> anyone who disagreed with him. And, he, you know, he'd write long... Long harangue. You're stupid. Here, let me he tell was, you why. He was a troll, basically. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, he's the first internet troll. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah. um, I, I was just going to throw. You you said um, that he never produced his own work, which was technically true. He did try to write one thing called um, uh, one work of his own, Latin ortho ortho. Graphy, orthography, basically the system of uh, the system of spelling in any particular language, but someone criticized it and he pulled it back and destroyed all the copies. So he tried, but yeah, he was a very mm. particular person and he couldn't stand criticism and he just literally destroyed his own work because somebody found it fallible and that was more than he can handle. What what would you say he would be uh, diagnosed as today? I mean, is that? Um, I mean, attention deficit, uh, uh, bipolar. Uh, what what are some co- uh, co- uh, modern terms for being an asshole that he probably was? He probably had. It sounds like it sounds oh, maybe thought, even autistic or something. I don't know. This guy was out there. Thought you were going to say. Thought you were going to say he's probably Australian. <laughs> um, I think I did earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just he just he he was a man on a mission, and he <laughs> couldn't tolerate yeah. bullshit. Like like Chrissy, Chrissy knows. I mean, the the thing that I hate the most in the world. There's two things I hate. Right. Passionately, one is country music. The <laughs> second is small talk. Ah, <laughs> like. Oh, I fucking hate small talk. I like, I, I you know, people are like, oh, what a nice weather. And what do you, I'm like, just, just fuck can it. we fucking talk about ancient history or philosophy <laughs> or politics or religion please. or quantum mechanics right. for a second, please? I like, yeah. I don't me. have time. Yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're killing me. And I'm thinking about killing you. Uh, yeah. So please stop. Yeah. And I, he, he kind of reminds me, people are like, nice day. He's like, oh, fuck off. I'm trying to translate Cicero. What, what does that got to do with anything? I time for this shit. Life, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, life is short. <laughs> right. Life is short. I'm going to be forgotten. Right. Uh, I, I, <laughs> my Adam's void and I have, nothing I have else. a short time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have a short amount of time to yeah. influence the future Shut up, leave yeah. me alone. Don't waste my time with your bullshit. Your life might not matter, feel, but usually. mine does. Fuck mm. off. Yeah. 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 Fuck off and leave me alone. <laughs> um, now, not only was he known in his day as a collector, but he was also known as the expert on Latin. Leonardo Bruni called him the censor of the Latin tongue. Yeah. So this is why... This is why Poggio, 
Well, it might be one reason why Poggio sent him the manuscript. The other reason, as we mentioned in an earlier episode, is Poggio had no money, and so and and doing the you know going off on these little uh, right. uh, jaunts around Germany cost money. Oh, yeah. Um, he had to bribe his way into places. He had to bribe people not to stab him in the streets. He had <laughs> to you know, buy food and lodging and horses and pay for scribes and all this kind of stuff. So uh, uh, he would get money from Niccolo to fund his journeys. And, right. and consequently, Niccolo owned the product of whatever he found. Poggio didn't get to keep any of this shit. He right. found it, copied it. Finders, but it, he, 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 well, it, maybe he might, maybe he got paid for, for expenses, some of it. But for really, yeah, he was he was an employee technically. Right, he was a freelancer uh, working for Niccolo. Yeah, and so uh, uh, he had to send anything he found straight to Niccolo. Now, the second reason was yeah, you wanted to send it to Niccolo anyway yeah. because Niccolo was the guy that would would uh, make a copy of the copy and would actually perfect it. Right. He would go, okay, well, he's using the wrong word here and the wrong, uh, uh, the wrong Latin for, you know, uh, Greek style. Right. Um, <laughs> um, whatever and, whatever and it, it was. <laughs> and it would look good on the yeah. page. Yeah. 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 Make it look good, correct the Latin, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and he was such a, sorry, he was such a, 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 a Latin Nazi, um, Nico, Nicky, that uh, he was the one who would criticize uh, some of these earlier Renaissance writers, the pre Renaissance guys like Dante and then early guys like Petrarch and Boccaccio. Because he said their Latin wasn't good enough. Ooh, well, yeah, they were they were fucking. Petrarch was an amateur man. His Latin, God, is shit. Petrarch, he had a sticker. He had a bumper sticker. Petrarch is shit. Uh, you know, he oh, Jesus Christ. I he, he said, oh. I I like <laughs> uh, I like my I like my Latin Cicero. Uh, something I'm trying to think. What would a Donald Trump supporter say? Oh God! I like my heroes n- n- not to get caught. Right? <laughs> something like that. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, he he he, crit- he he was a critic of these guys because their Latin wasn't good enough. They contain their work contained historical inaccuracies. He also criticized Dante for Damn. condemning Caesar's. Caesar's assassins, uh, including Brutus, uh, because Nicky, being a big fan of uh, Cicero, right, you know, took a favorable view of Caesar's uh, assassins as being, yeah. uh, you know, the, the the heroes who were trying yes. to save the the republic. So. Uh, Nicky, I think you mentioned earlier that he never got married because he didn't want to get distracted yes. from his uh, studies, but he did steal his brother's mistress. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to get married, but I like sex. I mean, my book is not, my head is not that far up a book. I mean, I like the women's, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, did you read the detail of this uh, story? No, please tell me. It's getting good. So, his bro- he, he had a few brothers, I think five brothers right. or something like that, and one of them had a mistress, Benvenuta. Um, now, I, uh, she was um, must have been pretty sexy right. because um, Nikki, who, you know, n- didn't have time for pussy right. generally, right. Uh, was having a secret affair with his brother's mistress. That's not right. Uh, she was spreading herself around the family. Wow. And uh, then he uh, stole her away from him, mm-hmm. which created a, a rift in the rest of the family. Right. A- according to, like, I've got this biography on. Poggio, written by the Reverend William Shepherd. It's from uh, like 18, oh, 
1837 or something like this. But um, he he writes, I love this, uh, talking about the mistress. Mm-hmm. The absolute ascendancy which artful and wicked women thereby gain over men of weak minds <coughs> and which they uniformly exercise in setting their lovers at variance with their relations and friends. Mm, so it's the woman's fault she's being pursued. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because she was... Just checking. Corrupting yes. him with her with her pussy. Right. Um <laughs> So he had a secret fling with her, then he stole her, then it created a row. Even Lorenzo de' Medici got involved and and had a falling out with Nicky. Then his mistress started Mm bad-mouthing the wife of the brother that she'd been fucking previously. She started bad-mouthing his wife. Well, he was only fucking because his wife, you know, doesn't give out or something. Didn't Greek. Um, Yeah. Didn't he? (laughs) That's how Nikki the Nixer got her. He was a king of Greek, the she Greek king. Yeah, she wouldn't let him go ass to mouth, and uh, so <laughs> he came to me for right. ass to mouth. So anyway, she she started bad mouthing this brother's wife in oh. public. Ooh. So one day, two of two of the brothers turned up at Niccolo's house, kicked in the door, grabbed her, took her out into the street and started beating her in the street. Oh, my God. And Niccolo just sat there and cried into his toga, screamed at them, couldn't, didn't do anything to try and rescue him. Right. I mean, he could have picked up a, like a, a bust of Cicero <laughs> and over the head or something. But <laughs> a rock. He, he just something. sat there, screamed and cried. Um, oh anyway, so right. she created a lot of drama in his life. I think I think he decided at some point. Uh, yeah, that's it. You know, I was right to avoid. Yeah. I was right to avoid yeah. pussy. It's causing me too much trouble. Masturbation. Um, now, <laughs> as you said, he opened his library to anyone who cared to study there, um, and created like one of the first public libraries in the modern world. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, you know, if, if you have an appreciation for ancient literature, come on over. Uh, just, you know, avoid the screaming whore <laughs> in the corner there. Um, come over and, and read my books. Oh. And he urged his, he urged the, the young Florentine students that he had to abandon Luxury, because it was becoming a lot more sort of hedonistic uh, right. Florence at this time. This new wealth, this new money, the nouveau riche, to abandon all of that and devote themselves to study literature and, and antiquities and the classics. He saw a, a wealthy youth basically just sitting around doing nothing, and he asked him, "What oh. is your object in life? To have a good time." The youth replied, but when your youth is over, of what consequence will you be? Nicky asked him. The youth saw his point and became one of Nicky's students. Nice. So there you go. He, he yeah. was very influential. Now, it wasn't just the world of writing that he influenced. Donatello and Brunelleschi mm-hmm. met Nicky at Cosimo's house. And apparently it was from Nicky the Nickster that Donatello acquired his passion for classical sculpture. And it was Nicky the Nickster that said to Brunelleschi, you know what you should do? Give up on this sculpture stuff. You should go to Rome, study yeah. uh, the architecture. You Check might, it out. Go, go and figure out how they built domes. Yeah, it might come God. in handy someday. He's That's like, incredible. you think so? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Got a feeling. I don't know, I'm just saying. Yeah, go, yeah. You, Go, yeah, go, go check out how they built those. So, I mean, incredible yes. influence that Nicky the Nickster had. But he, as I mentioned earlier, he did drive himself broke yeah. by buying ancient manuscripts and, and, and coins and all this kind of stuff. When he did, uh, nobody would, would lend him any money because he was the crazy toga guy, <laughs> except Cosimo. Right. Cosimo opened up an unlimited credit line oh. for him at the Medici Bank. Jeez. Gave him a, you know, made a gold card specially for right. him, just, just the, the Nicky the Nixter card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just had, his, just had his picture on it. Yeah. Supported him 
up until his death, unlimited. You sp- you go you and go. collect everything that you can get your hands on. Right. I've got your back. God. You've got an unlimited account at the Medici Bank Woo. to buy as much old shit as you want. <laughs> uh, and then... As you said, uh, towards the end of his life, Nicky knew what had happened to Petrarch's manuscript collection. They'd all been lost. Yes. So he developed this will and basically he had a bunch of rules. Uh, the rules are that the, the, the collection wasn't to be broken up and it wasn't, they weren't to be put in a private collection. They weren't to be uh, 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 hidden away from the world. They had to be accessible to anyone mm-hmm. who wanted to study, omnes sives studiosi, uh, all all people who want to study, basically, right. And this was, you know, the the idea he brought back to the world the idea of the public library. This was centuries yes. after the last public library had closed. He was like, no, 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 no. People need to be able to read this stuff. It's, that's, that's how you learn as you, yeah. as you read. When he died in 1437, age 73, left 800 manuscripts valued at 6,000 florins, huge amount of debts. Um, he named 16 trustees wow. to his will. Cosimo basically offered to pay off all of the debts if he could allocate the library, uh, the volumes to the libraries, and that was granted to him. So he divided the collection despite, uh, yeah, yeah, no, we won't split it up, yeah, but he did yeah. split it up. But oh, is only he dead? between. Is he dead? The, yeah. Is he dead? Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> fuck him in his memory. No. He divided it between the library of uh, San Marco right. and his own library, the. Yeah, uh, that's what you L- do. Lorenzo. Library, so and and you know most of those books that Nikki collected and the copies of them are in the uh, Laurentian uh, Library today in Florence. Yeah. Man, they're they're Damn. still there. You can go, you can go and see his copy of Lucretius's on the nature of things, and I'm totally fucking doing that the next time I'm in Florence, man. Yeah, I'm totally. Zero in. Do that. Yeah. Um, the Florentine historian Varki uh, later wrote that Greek letters were not completely forgotten to the great loss of humanity, mm-hmm. and that Latin letters have been revived to the infinite benefit of the people. This all Italy, nay, the, all the world, owes solely to the high wisdom and friendliness of the house of the Medici. Wow. So yeah. uh, there you go. Four hundred of Niccolo's manuscripts form sort of the basis of the Medici Library, which Cosimo founded in 1444 when he finally moved into the Palazzo Medici on the Via Larga, mm-hmm. uh, and he added uh, Cosimo added his own manuscripts that he was collecting himself, and that then became the first extensive public library in Europe. He hired 45 copyists, Damn, Cosimo, to basically Damn. sit there all day and make copies it, of these books. He does it big. He does everything big. I love that about him. Yeah. 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 45 <laughs> scribes were making copies of books from other people's collections uh, right. to add to his library. Um, anyway, so that's the Nicky the Nixter story. Oh, we're gone over time. Uh, we're finished with this. So back to Poggio and Lucretius. So Poggio, as we said at the beginning of this episode, sent his copy of Lucretius to Nicky the Nixter in Florence, who made his own copy using right. his italic hand, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's a good thing that he did because Poggio's copy disappeared almost immediately. Right. Maybe, maybe Nicky just... Threw it in the fire because he was yeah. like, "Well, that was shit." Right. I my copy is the only word so worth keeping. Much, yeah, that one disappeared. Poggio never got it back. Never got his own copy of Lucretius back. It just fucking disappeared. And right, the 
the the the copy at the monastery that Poggio got a copy made a copy of right never been never been seen again oh don't know what happened to it disappeared gone yeah she defying the odds so yeah the only copy known of at that time in the entire world <laughs> was Nicky the Nixter's personal yep. copy. Right. In the hands of a book but, as we'll Yeah. 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 And then, as we'll see in the next episode, uh, Poggio spent the rest of his life trying to get Nicky to let him have a look at it so he could fucking read it. <laughs> I discovered that thing. I want to read it. Send it to me, you bitch. prick. <laughs> That'll be our next episode.